Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast brought to you by Baldwin Research Institute and the Freedom Model. Addiction experts Mark Sheeran, Stephen Slate, and me, Michelle Dunbar, take on some of the most controversial topics surrounding substance use, addiction, and treatment. If there are topics you'd like to hear us discuss, books you'd like us to review, or specific questions you'd like answered, you can email us at podcast at thefreedommodel.org. That's podcast at thefreedommodel.org. This is Michelle Dunbar and Mark Sharon. As you probably heard earlier this week, the White House signed into law HR6. And let me read what that says. Support for Patients and Communities Act. It was their action on the, uh, to try and help curb or solve the opioid epidemic, which I hate using that term. It's not an epidemic. Crisis. It's a bit hysterical. Yeah, yeah. So today, Mark and I are going to break it down for you. This is not something we really are looking forward to doing, but a lot of people ask us our thoughts on it. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in the government, as I know Mark doesn't either. Um, Both sides, both Republicans, Democrats, whoever you ask, with the exception of possibly libertarians, is completely wrong on the issue. Um, You know, the the current paradigm uh, exists to keep itself existing. Um, And and so my thoughts were, I, I didn't feel the need to read it because I thought it would be more of the same. And... Pretty much, um, that's what it is. It's it's uh, it's throwing more money at a problem that has already got a ton of money thrown at it. Um, and as you, if you've read any of our uh, our stuff, you know that there's actually a trend line that shows that the more money the government has thrown at this problem, the worse the problem has gotten. So I have no reason to think that this is going to be any different. Yeah, it's a, it's a one to one correlation that that happens and. And there's a reason for that, and I want to I want to start the the podcast with this with this idea for the listeners. Um, the idea the the entire uh, point of this new law and grouping of laws is to basically try to control um, people's use of opiates, right? Yep. Through government intervention, and here's what the problem is: is that the the fundamentals of the law is based on the idea that opiates are pharmacologically addictive. Now, I'm not talking physically. We all know that you get withdrawal from opiates if you take them long enough. Um, and there's a very simple solution for that. It's called detox. You detox and you know, in less than a week you move on with your life. Um, but that's really not what this law is about. It's about trying to stop people from wanting it. <laughs> and, and the problem with that is the government is not any good at doing that with people. Um, if people want to get high, they're going to get high. Um, so so it, it has this idea that pharmacologically uh, these drugs change the way people behave, that they're powerless to stop themselves from behaving and taking the drug. Um, and that's just not true. So if you base an entire governmental law and series of laws on a myth, on the idea, uh, and that idea is on its face wrong, simply not factual, that it's a myth, 
then everything downstream of that law is going right. to end up not working. So, so, and actually what they're doing is they're perpetuating the lie, and that is that people become powerless, right. hapless, diseased victims of taking drugs. And, and so out of that grows this idea that they need Suboxone methadone clinics and, and, to be, and the best we can do is to reduce harm, which is a sad commentary when in reality, if you teach people that they can move past this, which we've been doing for 30 years, by the way, uh, people do. They do. They don't need to be on Suboxone for life. They don't need a crutch. They don't need any of that. They can just simply decide based on the facts and make their own decisions and move on with their life with very little fanfare. And it's actually becomes, it actually becomes easy for people to change. So what this does is it complicates the problem with hysteria. It says, and there's all sorts of things we're going to delve into. This law is, is, is really ridiculous. I'm just going to say it. It's, it's absurd because... Uh, they're going to make the problem worse um, by educating children more and more about um, how the powers the of drugs. The dangers of opiates. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, there's actually, um, to Mark's point, there's part of the, one of the acts in the, in the law is the Abuse Deterrent Access Act of 2018, which is supposed, is set up to keep people from abusing their meds. <laughs> Which <laughs> can can the government do that? <laughs> I, 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 they they haven't been successful yet, <laughs> right? I mean they, they've been they've been trying to do this uh, way back, all the way back when, when prohibition uh, happened with alcohol, and we all know how that that worked out with the St. Valentine's Day massacre in right. Chicago. Right. Um, and then they said this is probably a bad idea, um, but but there's. The whole thing is based on, you know, we're going to educate people that these drugs have powers. Right. Drugs, Which, do, not, drugs do not have powers. They don't have power. I, now, now I, I got to say clearly that if you take enough opiates, you'll get physically addicted. We get that. So discount that part because, like I said, detox takes care of that. But what they're talking about is that there is a select group of humans called addicts that can't stop themselves mentally from craving and taking the drug. So the government is going to stop them from doing so now, on the supply side, which is crazy. It's just crazy. And in the meantime, they're going to perpetuate the myth that this group of people is actually at risk. Is, they use words like they are susceptible. You're susceptible to the flu. Because the, the virus is alive trying to kill you. Opiates aren't alive. They're nope. not a virus. They, they're not out there. They don't want to take over your life. Yeah, they have no power. Nope. They're an inert, lifeless substance uh, until you decide, the human mind decides to take them for personal reasons. So the government is trying to do something it can't do. And, and that's... Which that's it's already point. been doing. I, it, there's, I, there's some really scary points to this law that I really would like to focus on um, because there's, there's, there's a great many people in history have said um, that, that if you give up your freedom for safety, you'll have neither. Oh, or yeah. security, you'll have neither. And, and, and I think there are people that are like, we've got to do something. Yeah. So, so if, you, if anybody saw the movie Minority Report, where you actually, where the 
it was a sci-fi movie that seems to be coming true. Yeah. Where you can predict that somebody's going to be, they had these seers, they could see the future and see that somebody was going to be a criminal. Or they so, commit crimes, yeah. They say you'd arrest the criminal before the crime was committed. Well, they're actually, part of this law is doing that. It is, people are going to be identified as being in danger of becoming addicted. So basically, they're going to be cut off from their medications and treated as addicts prior to having had the problem. Yeah, that's, see, that that's scary stuff. And we, just so you know, we, we get calls every day um, from people all across the country. This is already happening. It is. Um, and especially, especially true with senior citizens who... Oh, yeah. Who have um, cancer and have these diseases that are highly painful, and we're getting calls because they're saying I I, I can't get painkillers. Now painkillers, opiates have been around for thousands of years. Think about that, thousands of years. Besides alcohol, it's one of the oldest drugs known to mankind, and none of this was an issue until the government got involved. Drugs have a certain life cycle within our society. A tenure, if you will, where where a group of people in the culture gets used to taking the drug, it becomes popularized to take the drug, and then people get bored with it, and it takes its natural course. We've seen it with um, cocaine in the 80s. We saw it with uh, crystal meth in the 90s, and now it's heroin. But if you notice, this tenure is lasting a lot longer because of the hysteria. Yes. Because there's so much money to be made in pushing Matt. Uh, which is, you know, Suboxone now. Um, and so so that's going to be the next disease religion. And that is that the best we can hope for is some sort of remission through medication. So we're taking pills to not take pills. I want you to think about that. That's totally insane. It's totally insane. We're going to take pills, long-release heroin, in the case of methadone as an example. You're going to go to a clinic, a government-run clinic, and you're going to take a long-release version that has terrible withdrawal, by the way, worse than heroin, uh, so that you don't take heroin or pain pills. Think about that, how completely nuts that so is. So either way, you're a slave. Yeah, you're either gonna be a slave to the government or the guy in the corner. And the guy in the corner's got it cheaper, so you're probably gonna end up going right back to heroin. And it's a better high. Yeah. I mean, most people say that. With less, with less uh, withdrawal. Now. Um, you don't know what you're getting in the street. Nope, it's very dangerous. So because it's cheaper, people are dying because they're getting fentanyl. So uh, so you have a, a government that is living on myths, promoting laws that make no sense at all. But, you know, the public's gotten outcry to do something. And, you know, the irony is, in the Freedom Model, we cover all of this in great detail. And... Uh, it's funny, in, in less than five minutes, I can talk to somebody who's doing, doing lots of heroin, and by the end of the conversation, they say, well, everything you said made sense, and so basically, I can go to detox and move on with my life. I say, yeah. Yep. That's it. Yes, you can. Absolutely. 100% and move on, because we've seen uh, thousands of people do that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a bad law. It, it, it is bad. Here's, so, here's another scary point to it. Um, is is basically there? It allows for easier access to your medical records, um, emergency rooms, primary care physicians, your your doctor that you've known and trusted for years and years. If if there's any suspicion that you have a opiate problem 
or that, that any kind of drug or alcohol problem, they are now mandated to report that to everybody and their brother um, so that we can identify these people faster and get them the help they need. That's that's the guise of it. That's, that's what it is. But basically what it's doing is it's gutting HIPAA um, and making it so so if you're you're a pariah, yeah. you become a pariah. So so really, what's behind this? Behind this is control. Yep. It's a, it's about control. It's about making sure that everybody knows because uh, everybody knows that you're getting high or or that you just take pain pills because you're in pain. Right. You and know? maybe you maybe you do need to increase your dosage because there's a tolerance that builds in your system. Right. Right. So here here's another the bill. Uh, also requires, this is right out of the bill, the bill also requires coverage for services provided by certified opioid treatment programs under Medicare. On its face, it sounds great, but the question is, do the programs work? Right. They haven't so far. No. As a matter of fact, there's a correlation, a direct correlation between increasing the number of treatment programs that are disease-based, which, by the way, the disease is a myth. So that's the problem. That's the problem. So (laughs) we're going to create a disease and have a person who is not diseased now believe they have a disease that they can't control and they're going to go to a treatment center that perpetuates the lie and terrifies you into believing that you really can't stop when prior to said program you believed you could. And the statistics showed that uh, the vast majority of people that have these problems get over their problems. So why go to a treatment program where they're going to teach you that you can't? Does that make any sense? Over 90% of heroin users, when you factor in age, stop with or without treatment. That's a fact. So why would we go in this direction? The reason is hysteria, the current wave of overdoses based on uh, polysubstance use and fentanyl. That's what's driving the fear. Now the government will gain a tremendous amount of control over your health care. Does that sound uh, like a viable or a, a, a... reasonable uh, solution doesn't to me absolutely not absolutely not um here's another scary point pharmacists are now granted the right to come between you and your doctor if a pharmacist deems that you're a problem um with you that you're they can actually say i'm not going to fill that prescription for you that was that's part of this law um, is giving pharmacists that kind of power. Um, so now not only you know does the, it, are your records being sent all over the place, um, but now pharmacists can say no. And just a quick little side note on that, that this is kind of already happening with the pharmacies because they also will give you a hard time if they think that you're not taking medications that you should be taking because I had, this is a couple years ago, I went to the pharmacy. It was just a stupid cholesterol medication and I wasn't taking it regularly. I was supposed to be taking it. And they called me over into the quiet, you know, the, the quiet box. And they were like, it says here you're non-compliant. Oh, that's so funny. And I said, I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. What are you saying to me? And they're like, well, this is, you should have filled this like six weeks ago. And you're not filling this as prescribed, and I have to talk to you about it. I said, well, you know what? You can write in my record. You never have to talk to me about it again because it's none of your goddamn business. <laughs> you know? And she said, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> she was very smiley about it. But but here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're not doctors. It's not up to them. You've already discussed this with your doctor. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want an over-the-counter guy 
running your medications. He didn't go to med school. That's right, and and telling you, you know, you're you're not getting your opiates today. Uh, yeah, that's just crazy. That's, it's it's insane. It's he, insane. Here's another. I, I here's another part of the law. This is taken directly from where it's printed. Uh, preventing addiction for susceptible seniors act of 2018. Oh, this is awful. Um, the bill also establishes individuals, seniors, who are identified as at-risk beneficiaries yep. for prescri- prescription drug abuse as qualifying participants in medication therapy management programs under the Medicare prescription drug benefit. In other words, they're going to say to... Uh, your Mrs. grandmother. Your grandmother. Um, I see that you've taken opiates and that you're on uh, too much of them, whatever that means, because they're at risk, right? Doesn't right. doesn't mean they have a problem with it. That, but some doctor is going to decide, doctor or in the case of maybe um, your pharmacist, that you're at risk. And, uh, and that's not your choice. You haven't said that. As, you um, haven't felt like it's a problem for right. you. It seems to be working for you. It's at therapeutic levels. And so now they're going to put you on Suboxone. Yep. Which doesn't really take care of your pain and only keeps you uh, in a trap with opiates. So it doesn't, it, it literally isn't a solution and puts you in a bad position. Doesn't take care of your pain and now you have to take Suboxone. So really, why would they do that? Why would they convert a bunch of senior citizens right. from getting the medications they need to now being stuck on Suboxone, which has terrible with- withdrawal if you take it long is term? Is it cheaper? Is it cheaper? Is it, <laughs> is it money? Because now we have a wave of certified uh, Suboxone doctors. Um, it's, it's, it's craziness. That's it, what it is. It is. Well, and it, it, this coincides with the this law. I can kind of sum up this law by saying it's a crackdown on you nasty physicians because you keep prescribing these opiates to people and it's your fault. This is your fault and we're going to punish you for it. Yeah. And so now they have these, they're going to decide, uh, the physicians are going to be flagged. Um, first of all, ERs are going to be rewarded financially by the government for not prescribing opiates. So you're going to go in, you broke your collarbone, um, you're in excruciating amounts of pain, and they're going to say, here's some nice Tylenol for you. Yeah, I could have went home and did that. Yeah, and um, and and then, so and the, the, they get their little, little goodies for not prescribing you opiates. Um, but if they do, if doctors prescribe and they go over some some arbitrary quota set up by the government, um, then they're going to get sanctioned. So they're going to question every single prescription they write now. That's the way this law is set up. Yeah, it's craziness. And and by the way, just so you'd clear on our position here, doctors did not cause this problem. Like Mark said, opiates have been around since forever, basically, and they've been used very effectively to com- to help people with their pain. Um, and to help people, some people who wouldn't otherwise be able to live relatively normal lives um and now people are going to be denied their pain medication um especially senior citizens this law really because there's a whole medicare portion of it um it it now basically tells senior citizens you're out of luck yeah. You know, and so so it's going to do the opposite of what they want. There are going to be more and more people seeking pain relief from the black market. Um, I know if it were me, I probably would. Yeah, if it's cheaper. I mean, it, it just it just makes sense. The black market has always existed. Anytime the government uh, 
there's government interdiction with something like this in a market. And, uh, and that's what kills people. It is. That's what kills people. It's not the person taking pain medication or even, even abusing it. It's not. If you look statistically, it's the person that takes uh, pain pills off the street and mixes it with all kinds of other benzos or that sort of thing or alcohol. Those are the people that die or fentanyl on the street. Yeah. Um, it, it, it also doubles down, as you can imagine, it, it throws more money into the war on drugs, which has been such a raving success. I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine why we wouldn't throw more money at that. It's, the, the, I'm, I'm, I just went through this law. It's like five pages of statements about what they're going to do. We went through the summary. Yeah. Let me just tell you that I know the law is long, long, but we went through a summary that the, that the government put out. And, and I couldn't really find anything that actually was deeply helpful. I found one thing. Okay, yeah, let's talk about something that was helpful. Yeah, I found one thing. It was that more funding, they'll actually provide more funding to combat actual diseases that result from substance use, such as hep C and HIV. Well, that is good. I thought that was pretty good because it acknowledges that people are going to use. And it acknowledges something that's truthful, a real disease. A real disease. (laughs) I I thought, okay, that's good. Not a made-up one. (laughs) Not a made-up one. Mm -hmm. Um, here's, here's Here's one that I want you to just... Picture for a moment. It's going to increase access to addiction treatment services for those on Medicare while reducing Medicare expenditures. I want you to just imagine for a moment that what is, that treatment facility will look like. That's, <laughs> just that's, saying. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's a bit scary. Um, here's another one. The FDA must deny application for a new drug that contains a controlled substance and that is found to be unsafe due to potential misuse or abuse. And I would contend that any drug that actually works to reduce pain has the potential for misuse or abuse. If it doesn't work, then nobody's going to misuse it or abuse it. But if it does reduce pain, I think anything that makes you feel better, whatever that may be, has the potential for misuse or abuse. So basically, the FDA is going to ensure that there are no new pain medications coming on the market. Right. That's what that ensures. The, the question becomes, and this is what you have to concentrate on, the question becomes, is what they're going to do uh, be helpful? I, I mean, is it going to, is it, is it uh, helpful to tell um, grandma that she, who's been taking opiates, by the way, for 20 years for a condition, let's say, and to tell her, you're addicted. Right. How is that helpful? She's taking it as prescribed. She doesn't. She doesn't have any greater risk than she had in the last twenty years. Nope. Um, and there's there's thousands, tens of thousands of people in that pool that are now going to be labeled as addicts by some bureaucrat or pharmacist or doctor who's feeling the pressure to no longer uh, prescribe what people actually need. Um, and look at it, it's all fundamentally based on this idea that opioids are evil, that they contain power. That's where this comes from. That's the myth that drives all this insanity. Um, Again, opiates have been here for thousands of years. Why was this not a problem? We used to get opiates in, you could buy it over the counter. Yep, that is true. Before prohibition. And and why why weren't there problems then? Yeah, the question is why. And the reason why is because nobody believed they had power. It was never discussed that way. And people regulated the use. Were, were there people that abused it? Yeah. But the numbers were much, much less per capita. 
Uh, and the same went for alcohol. Anytime you, you get the government involved and you promote these ideas that these drugs have these elusive and mystical powers to, to force you to use them, which is really crazy. Anytime you have that, uh, it, it's not helpful. The, the other thing that's, that's in the bill, which is just unbelievable to me, is there's an, a specific act in it, and I, I, I don't remember where it is in this six pages of, of summary, um, but it funds 12-step. It yeah. funds support groups. It literally yeah. is going yeah. to throw money at at the 12-step. 12, <laughs> 12 and, of course, more money being allocated to this evidence-based treatment, which means nothing. Right. Because, it just means treatment that's already there. Yeah, because there is no evidence that says that the current treatment paradigm works. As a matter of fact, all the evidence says the success rates are lower than doing nothing. So, so why... To call it evidence-based, the evidence, yeah, yeah, the evidence says it does not work and it's harmful. So that's just a sham. It is. It's just it's to make sham. people feel good. Yeah. Uh, here's something that's interesting. The FDA must deny an application for a new drug that contains a controlled substance that is found to be unsafe due to a potential for misuse or abuse. Um, well, look at, look at. There are a lot of drugs out there that could be really helpful. There was a painkiller that took all pain away completely without knocking you unconscious. Um, it has potential. She, M Michelle mentioned that earlier. Uh, why would we stop? Why would we stop it based on the tiny minority that might abuse it when when you know the vast majority um, would benefit from it? When you look at pain pills, pain medication. Um, the vast majority of people that, and most people don't know this based on the hysteria, by the way. Yeah. Um, the vast majority of people that take pain medication that are prescribed it never use it past their prescription. Uh, in other words, they don't keep using it. They don't want to. They don't feel, they don't like the feeling. They, they move on. If it was, if it was pharmacologically uh, had some agent that forced you to become addicted as they, they tout it to be, um, then every single person that ever took That's a pain right. pill today would be high to their death. Yeah. But pharmacologically, it doesn't do that. It doesn't change the content of people's thoughts. It doesn't manipulate you to force you to take it. None of that happens. It's all when there are a certain group of people that enjoy getting high. They feel that high come up the back of their neck and into their head, that buzzing feeling. And that's the cue for them to feel and uh, feel good and take a break from life for a little while. But the drug doesn't force you to take a break. It's a cue that tells you, yeah, this is my time to go on vacation here for a little while. And uh, because if it pharmacologically changed your thoughts and rendered you powerless, it would do that to everybody. That's just a fact. And uh, let me give you an example. An antibiotic, if you take it, will kill the bacteria it's intended to kill. It will. It will do that. Now, you may be in such bad health that it may not save your life. I don't know. Those, those situations are different. But the point is it's going to kill bacteria. It can't not. And it's going to do it in 100% of the people that take it. It can't not. Even or, those that may be allergic to it, it might give them side effects because I'm allergic to a lot of different medications. But it's going to kill. But it's it, still going to do what it's supposed to do. That's exactly correct. It can't not because pharmacologically that's what it does. But pharmacologically, opiates do not render people powerless over taking them. But that's what the government 
and the treatment industry wants you to believe. That's what the basis of this whole hysteria is around, and they're creating it by teaching children. There's a couple of, of points in here that, that are... Uh, education. Yeah, right? education, yeah. increased education for children. Do you guys remember D.A.R.E.? I'm sure our listeners remember D.A.R.E. Well, they, they got rid of D.A.R.E. because what they found is that the rates of use in the schools in which D.A.R.E. was, was put in place where they were educating kids on drug use um, increased. increased dramatically. Not small, but dramatically because you take a rural school that had never seen a crack problem and suddenly it would develop into having a crack problem. And this was in the 80s and the 90s. And the reason was because simply if you, if you tell children... Uh, that they shouldn't have this drug, that it's dangerous, but that that it's it's so will render you high, and if you take it, you it's abs- so great you're gonna get hooked on. It. Yeah, <laughs> really. The very first time you use it, well, then the person uses it, they get high, and they go, "Oh, I guess that's true." Right. Now, how do I know that? Because I lived it. Yes. I was an '80s kid. Yep, me too. Um, I lived it, and it almost killed me. So, so the last thing we want to be doing is teaching children that drugs have powers over their ability to choose. That's craziness, that's crazy talk. And it's what kills kids. That's what kills kids, is these awareness programs. It's part of the problem. It is. So am I recommending that we not talk about it and we turn the other way? No. No. I'm recommending telling the truth. And the truth is that if you take pain pills, you might like it, but the vast majority of people don't and they move on with their life. Does that seem so hysterical? I don't think so. Uh, it's what I taught my kids. I don't stop them from doing the things they want to do, but I share the information factually, and they're able to make adult decisions, and we work through that process, and they've had wonderful adolescence. Yeah. Um, unlike myself that was drilled by AA people and treatment and therapists and doctors saying, if you ever drink, Mark, you'll be an alcoholic. Well, guess what? By 18, I was a fall-down drunk and alcoholic, and almost killed people in a drunk driving accident. My point is, my point is simple. If you teach people myths that scare them and that render their ability to choose one thing or another, then they won't be able to choose. That's the problem. Once they believe it, they can't. And so this whole law is going to do nothing. Nothing. It's, nothing. It, it perpetuates every single myth. It doubles down on on policies that have not worked since they were in, since they were written, um, it doubles down on laws that have not been effective. It 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 throws more money into treatment that is not only not effective but completely harmful. Um, there are people that we know that are that are on the mat train, uh, the the medically assistant treatment train, and they're excited that there's a lot of money being being uh, funneled into that program and and while I you know I'm not opposed to people taking drugs they want to take I I'm mean, that, not either uh, that that's so so if people want that if they if they want suboxone if, fine um they don't need it I think I think we what Mark said is true I think th- th- what helping this problem Solving this problem has to start, has to go backwards. It has to start with the definition of addiction. It has to start with educating people on what drugs can do and don't do for people. Suboxone doesn't change the content of your thoughts. It doesn't make you think that heroin isn't what you really want. Right. Uh, You know, and so, and that's what it's, that's what it's marketed to do. And so there are a whole lot of people that get on it and are like, this isn't 
what I thought it would be. Right, and they feel deprived, and then they go out on the black market, and they die. Exactly. They go back and forth. They go back and forth. Or they, or worse yet, they mix drugs. They stay on the Suboxone. They get put on benzos. They get put on antidepressants. They They start drinking. They start drinking. They get put on all these medications, and they're not getting the high they're looking for, when really all they really wanted was heroin. Right. You know, so so we're 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 heaping a bunch, and oh, and we're diagnosing them with mental illness too. Yeah, that's a whole different discussion that we'll we'll definitely broach in another, yeah. another podcast. But I think Michelle's point here's what's in, important, and that is when it comes to suboxone, methadone, and any of the mat therapies, it it switched from being a tool that was used in detox, to which make, was very effective. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful drug for that. It, it really is. Um, for, for opiate withdrawal um, to, to get through that hump. Uh, it changed from that, yep. from people wanting it for detox to the industry saying you need it to stay away from heroin. Okay. And so it just became a, a sort of uh, crutch and uh, a substitute for heroin. And, and it'll always, always, for the guy that likes heroin, it'll always be... A poor substitute and uh, and you know people will go back to heroin yeah so I'm sorry we don't have better news yeah <laughs> I'm sorry that this isn't is isn't what you know everybody would hoped it would have been but I'm absolutely not surprised um, the information is wrong the paradigm is the problem uh, the beliefs about addiction are the problem and that's why uh, that's why we do what we do here. So I want to thank everybody for listening today, and I hope you have a, a great couple of weeks. All right. Take care, listeners. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Addiction Solution Podcast brought to you by the Freedom Model. You can send your questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to talk about to podcast at thefreedommodel.org. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with your friends. If you are struggling or you know someone who is, the Freedom Model can help. Call 888-424-2626 or go to thefreedommodel.org to see which option may be right for you. If you're specifically seeking a residential retreat, you can check out soberforever.net. Once again, that's soberforever.net. Thank you to everyone who helps make this podcast happen. Editing is done by Christopher Dunbar and Daniel Hidalgo. Thank you to our incredible staff at Baldwin Research Institute and the Freedom Model Retreats, without whom none of this would be possible.